I think a lot of this is is dialogue stuff that we can like summarize. So no wonder you love this chapter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Huh, ready? Yep. Everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 23 of Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. This season we're reading Book 2, Queen of Sorcery, and today we're diving into Chapter 22. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe. I'm an author, an indie author, and I create courses and guided meditations and do all kinds of stuff. And I'm Alicia Seymour. I am a fantasy author. And I am excited to say that I'm beginning to work with um, people again on their on writing their books. So it's a very exciting thing. Very excited. Oh, I'm so glad. You look so happy when you say that. Yeah. It's been a whole shift about it, which is what I'm going to talk about in my cup. So. Oh, great. Oh, well, let's get into Pokemon's cup. Okay. So I'll start then. Uh -huh. um, my cup is more like a glass because it's filled with cinnamon banana power smoothie. <laughs> um, I drink something similar to this almost every afternoon. It's like my one of my favorite meals because it's light, but it fills you and it just makes you feel like you have the energy. Um, so after last week's prophecy, which I um, was asking about my dizziness and why it was happening. And the answer came to me basically as straight as it could be that I was like approaching things in the wrong way. I was going out there and doing stuff that I didn't find enjoyment in doing just because I thought it would be the answer to getting clients or to building a business. And my body quickly reminded me that no, you already tried that and you don't want to do it again. And so what happened after all of that on that day was I had a lot of clarity and some of it came from myself and the others came from two different conversations I had with some very amazing people. They're very loving people but they did give me like a very loving kick in the face <laughs> in these conversations on different topics, but that really are related and related to the, my own clarity I had. And so I realized a big part of my problem, probably most of my life, but especially this last year is indecisiveness. I don't know why I was indecisive necessarily. I don't think it matters, but I was indecisive. And as soon as I realized this, I, this was just yesterday, I decided I, I'm declaring to myself, I'm no longer going to live that way. Like I know what I want to create. So I'm going to go out there and do it and stop making excuses just to be, you know, to hide fear or to, um, one of, one of the phrases one of these people told me is that I was being, and this might sound harsh to some people, but I, I understood it in my mind that I was being selfish with my time in the past year in the fact that 
I have all of this knowledge to share and I was kind of keeping it all inside. I wasn't sharing it with people who could have used my help because I was too consumed within myself to be able to do so. And um, I do though think that there was no other way for me to, to go through it. That was the way I had to do it. And um, I just know that I'm no longer gonna be that person at all. Um, and so I'm ready to, and that's why I'm excited about this the shift with the dizziness and stuff has started to clear even as I'm starting to go out and I actually have been on social media a little bit. But the shift I made and I'll say is that what I realized, my own clarity is that I was approaching social media from my ego mind. And I'd go in there and I'd just be like, ooh, I don't like this, you know? And like, even though I follow inspiring people and accounts and all of that, and it's all uplifting stuff, I would still like fall into comparison and like, oh, I didn't get enough likes or, and then I realized that about myself. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stop being like that. You hate people that are like that. Why are you like that? Mm -hmm. So I shifted and I said, today, I'm going to go on social media from a place of awareness. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to look at people as that same awareness because we're all one. So anybody I connect with on social media, I only see who they really are. Not that ego that's encased in the body and all of that and since I've done that I've been excited to be on there and to be talking to people and so I'm feeling extremely pumped up today cool. I have a call this afternoon with somebody I connected with on social media yeah and I'm excited about it because she's an amazing woman who offered to help me with something um and so now I get to have a conversation about what I do as like a way to practice and just be like hey this is what I do cool yeah that was a long form explanation but that was my week <laughs> no no that's that's great that's fantastic lovely potion cheers to you yeah <laughs> and I know that it's exciting and it's really important because you swore you never swear <laughs> I'm really impressed I, yeah I do I swear when I'm when I'm either passionate or angry yeah well Kind of the same. <laughs> I love it. Different, <laughs> different emotions, but the same intensity, I guess. Oh. How about you? How was your week? So I've had, let me just have a little think. I've had a, a very full week. My potion this week is wild honey and ginger tea with a full-blown scarlet rose in the bottom of my goblet. Um, I've been editing uh, the course that I was talking about earlier. Oh, I don't know if I was talking about it in the show. I'm putting, I'm, I've started presenting a course uh, this year and it started this week. It was the first week. It runs for the entire year. And so I'll be creating content like into the next month to, to round out all of the text and the audio and everything for this fucking huge course. And so at the moment I'm editing, like editing, editing, editing every day and just re doing recording sessions. So what I do is I, I edit until the language no longer makes any sense and I get a bit like wonky in the head. And then mm -hmm. I go away. That's usually around lunchtime. I go away and then I come back in the afternoon and then I record the um, audio in the afternoon until my voice decides that it's going to pack it in and so 
hence the honey and ginger wild honey and ginger tea <laughs> yeah that's a lot a lot of work to do every yeah. day but you know it and is it's so weird like when I'm doing the audio I can do this podcast with you and I can talk and have conversations all day long no problem as soon as I'm reading from a from uh, uh like a page I constrict in here and I strain my voice and I you know I go down like after um like about 20 minutes and I'm like oh I need another cup of tea you know well I think too it's it's um you know you go into your very meditative voice when you're doing those readings yeah. <laughs> you know because I'm I'm in this course so I'm I'm getting all of these audios and it is it feels like because I've listened to your meditations too and it feels like the same voice it's very just calming and soothing and so I think that's also it's just more work to put that shift in your voice you know yeah the modulation mm -hmm. so yeah that I'm I'm doing that but home life is like sweet 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 going really that's well awesome. <laughs> and um my daughter's oh my god my daughter's continuing to blow my mind and my heart just wide open because they're like, um, I know this is like therapy for me. If either of them actually ever listen to the entire podcast from the start, they'll be mortified probably. And I'll be in very, very big trouble. <laughs> but like, they're so amazing. And they're just like, the way that they're seeking and claiming their power, like watching them become adults and, and stand in, you know, this amazing womanhood. Mm -hmm. it's kind of awesome like one of them is starting university and so she's like excited she's going into the sciences and so she's excited about getting her new textbooks and registering for like orientation stuff and her courses and like getting her all of her stuff lined up and that is just so exciting to watch her get passionate about that and just excited like yeah and and the other one is it's like oh my god doing all of the amazing things for herself like this seems to be her self-love year and self-care and learning how to be gentle with herself and how to be kind and get in touch with parts of herself that she's been out of touch with for a really long time and and like and she's including me in that process and I feel really honored you know it's because it's not a matter as a as not a matter of course thing that just because I'm her mother I get to be included in, well, anything. She's an adult now. Yeah. Um, well, they both are. Oh, my God. <laughs> so anyway. That's awesome. That's, that's been, that's pretty much been my week. That sounds like a great week. Yeah. I look forward to that, that age when they're just stepping into their own life, you know? Oh, it's amazing. Like, I think so many parents, I think, have a hard time with that shift but I feel like I'm gonna I'm just gonna feel so proud is not the word but I'm gonna feel just so grateful that they've done it you know mm -hmm. and that they're there and I'm gonna love watching them go and discover their life mm -hmm. you know and enjoy so. all that extra alone time you'll have <laughs> that too but <laughs> um <laughs> But mostly, yeah, I can understand how it must be 
like yeah. it's such a great feeling to see them stepping Just, into their own you yeah. know like I know that I have weeks where I'm desolate and heartbroken on behalf of one of them or right you know and I know I've talked about that sort of stuff here before that's normal though and you can't be a mother and not have that. So I guess this is like just a little bit of the other part of it, the other the flip side, the celebrating the, yeah, the, just the uh, awesomeness of them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. So now we're going to Garion's View, which is the chapter summary delivered by Alicia because she's the new reader, fresh eyes on the story. As she gives us... The story through Garion's eyes. Yeah. So the group in this chapter, they we see Mr. Wolf and Silk go off on their own at the beginning. And so the rest of the group starts heading towards Naisa to leave the wood, and the dryads are guiding them along the way. Um, Gary and Amanda Ellen have a very sentimental conversation that I really enjoyed. <laughs> and um, then they're like ambushed by these legionnaires uh, and there's some interesting dialogue that happens there that I will talk about. But of course the big, big thing in this chapter is that Gary and unleashes his wrath on, I called him his lifelong shadow, what is that? I forgot his name right now, but the hooded figure on the horse. Yep. Um, and um, that. Yep. Yeah, that was. I gotta say, and I put it in the in our private group that I've been waiting for <laughs> a moment like this. <laughs> so I got excited. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yes, that is. An, it is an exciting chapter. Um, yeah. So as we head into Wolf's Wisdom, we just, we're going to start talking about the guts of the chapter and get right down into all of the things that we found interesting. And um, I'm going to try as much as I ever can to let Alicia lead the conversation. And I'd fully acknowledge <laughs> that I talk a hell of a lot and I get very excited and then I, then I think, oh, I got too excited and I've said too much. Have I said anything that might be a spoiler that Alicia doesn't know about yet? And then I pull <laughs> myself back in and I go, I say something like, okay, you take, you go ahead, you talk. <laughs> because I'm like, ah, shit, have I given the, you know, the things away? And so yeah. just know, darlings, that I'm constantly inside my head going, okay, how much <laughs> can I talk about? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to experience that because to me, I'm just, yeah. I feel like I'm guessing all the time. Like when I speak, I'm just making all these guesses. and Which is what um, we do as a reader who's reading something for the first time. We, we sort yeah. of try and put the clues together and follow the patterns and like work out what's going on and who's doing what and what they're thinking. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just good, but I don't think I've ever experienced spoilers from you while we're talking. I think you're pretty good about not going that far. Okay, good. Excellent. So but this chapter starts, we see Mr. Wolf saying goodbye to Gary and Garyon's a little bit sad. Mm -hmm. Tells him to like watch over his aunt. Yeah, um, I could go on a whole rant just about this sentence. Really. <laughs> 
What? Keep an eye on your aunt for me while I'm gone? Yes. <laughs> Why? Because fucking patriarchy again. Mm. Like I was thinking about I feel- this. I was searching in my head, trying to look for a, a book or a show or a movie in which the father told the daughter to look after her mother while he was gone. Can there you think must of have been. Well, there must have. if you can think there of must. one, that would be great. Or a mother leaving and saying to the daughter, take care of your father. Although I have seen that. And so what do we think about that? The fact that the mother tells the daughter to step into the mother wifey role and look after the father while she's gone. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I didn't take it that I just took it as like a father worrying about his daughter mm. because and I don't know I thought maybe he was just making Gary and trying to make Gary feel better about mm-hmm. him leaving by giving him some responsibility of like like okay yeah I can look after her that means I have to like be strong while you're gone but mm-hmm. you know yes yes Absolutely. What you say is absolutely true. It's like a distraction. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's trying to evoke that sense of responsibility so that he can step up. But I'm just in, I get such, like, I'm such sort of torn in those two directions. Mm. And I know that um, he's 15 and so... Yeah, okay, and he has powers, as we'll see soon. And so he's more able to do that, look after your aunt while I'm away. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not just a throwaway comment. It's not just a distraction, although, yes, it is a distraction. But, like, I've seen it's such a a thing for the, the, the male figure to be going to, to, not have any choice but to go and to charge the very young boy with this responsibility of looking after their mother. And more than one storyline has gone, he's taken it as um, like it's been damaging for the character because he's taken it so seriously, you know, that he stepped past the bounds of childhood where he still is where a lot of them still are when the dad says that into places where he doesn't belong because society decrees that a woman can't take care of herself and needs someone else to do it for her Mm -hmm. yeah went over (laughs) yeah I I can see your point for sure Um, I think it can go both ways yeah Anyway, um, yes, yeah, so they uh, Mr. Wolf leaves with Silk, and then um, Mandarellen is there, and he seems to be kind of moody. Gary yeah. notices, so he asks him if, if he's okay, and he's kind of like, Well, parting is melancholy business, and but Gary is observant enough to know that it's more than that, and so he starts sharing his fear of. Those mud people, is that's who he was talking about, right? Mandarellen starts. Yeah. Yeah. Ma- Mandarellen, he's talking about his fear of those mud people, right? Yep. 
and uh, he calls them clay men though so that's why yeah. i'm making sure and so he has like this fear now that because he's never been afraid of anything before that was kind of his confidence is that even as a child yeah. he was always um, known for his confidence and bravery and yeah. so now that he has been afraid of something he's really like kind of talking himself into this this fear of that at one point when they really really need him on this journey he's not going to be able to he's yeah. going to be too afraid and he's going to not going to be able to stand up and save somebody's life or someone's going to die because he couldn't be brave enough yeah so i really liked this whole conversation mm -hmm. to show mandarellen's like weaker side because we mm -hmm. haven't seen that yeah and to know that even the strongest of us have a weakness mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and and gary is very understanding he sort mm -hmm. of he, he challenges he sort of pushes a little bit like ashamed you're ashamed for being human you're too hard on yourself yeah and so it's it's and then it's very interesting mandralan wants to wants help to put his armor on because he really feels like he needs to be encased in steel because mm -hmm. his own strength has failed and he needs he wants this extra protection on the outside and um it's very symbolic like it's beautiful symbolism yeah i agree it was a good moment between them. Yeah. So, so they go on and they part ways with the queen, mm -hmm. Queen Xantha. Um, and there's the comment again that she's bound, she would come, but she's bound to her tree. Mm -hmm. And her tree is very old, so she must care for him. Yeah. And it's interesting they refer to the, her tree as a him. Yes. You know? And it's almost like, are in a way, is then this tree kind of like her partner? Yeah, that's what I. That's you know, how I. That's, that's how why there's no men it around because the, the trees are their their male partner. Or yeah, not that it has to be a male, but you know, that's yeah. because the trees are male. Maybe that's why no males are in the forest. I don't know. That's the dryads. That's the dryad partnership. Mm hmm. And not all trees are male. Yeah. So that's like he, her tree is male, but that's <laughs> not to say every tree is male. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know that in this world specifically. Mm -hmm. Are they all male or is it both? I tell you, uh, this this whole Dryad book series, it's, it's taken on a life of its own in my head. We were talking about this last <laughs> week and it started and it's still happening. It's still sort of fleshing itself out back here i'm gonna sit down one day and knock out the whole freaking series yeah that'd be a fun one to write and then as they're parting too like gary and uh and i'm not sure he felt that same faint touch on his mind yes the big tree i'd say that is yeah so it's just like the tree is kind of like communicating with him a little yeah. bit to let him know and xantha is sort of startled she she, she like notices the, yeah the tree and because it's the tree doesn't just touch his mind as like a farewell but it's a there's a a warning in it as well mm. yeah that's right so so they leave with some of uh the dryads guiding them mm -hmm. through the wood mm -hmm. 
and um, then it says like about mid-morning it grows darker and Dernick is, is wondering if the weather is changing but he wishes he could see the sky so I imagine like you know how yeah, it's thick those really leaves. thick wood yeah really thick wood right and, and, and Arian is is like sensing some impending danger right now yes yep 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 it's almost like the gloom is coming in just like before with those uh, mud men oh true super like the yes. weather started being different so and but this one i sense it's not the actual weather it's just like this sense of foreboding and everyone can feel it you know when you get that prickle on the outside of your skin and like something's something's hinky and everyone sort yeah. of starts like getting a bit loose and making sure they know where their weapons are and mm-hmm. and then suddenly the legionnaires jump you know they're all around them yeah um and and this <laughs> the guy like barrack and mander allen and well mander allen and barrack really have a bit of a bantering about, <laughs> oh you know will we let give him a chance to get away you know the, the whole brothers in arms thing which i really enjoy i always enjoy that yeah that was funny and it feels like mandrallen here is like bunging it on a bit because he's got this fear going on inside him that he's overcompensating Mm -hmm. although it's hard to tell because it's kind of like what he is all the time anyway right but doesn't garyan kind of notice it i think so I remember reading that, but I don't find it here. But yeah, it is. It's it's um, yeah. It gives you the sense that he is trying to boost himself up yes, a little bit, proving to himself that he's absolutely. still brave. And then uh, fancy pants dude turns oh. up with all of his gold inlaid armor, and <laughs> it um, turns out to be Grand Duke Cador from the House of Vordu, which, if you remember back to our Tolnudran politics discussions. I may it may have been touched on, but he's one of the people in the running for the throne, the Emperor's throne. Okay. He's basically there to kill Sinedra. Right. <laughs> Makes no you know, doesn't hide that at all. Uh, but it is an interesting conversation that they have. Like Kador says, you know, obviously your father intends to marry you to one of the other rich houses and you know. I don't that we can't have that and Sinedra says oh what you're going so you're going to marry me first yourself and he's really sort of very very rude and like uh what's the word sneers at her at the whole idea and like no we keep our house pure I have no desire to marry a dryad right anyway so they keep sort of going back and forth and Kato says no I'm not going to marry you. I'm just going. She says, "Oh, you're going to take me prisoner." And he's like, "No, no, no. Can't be bothered doing that either. We're just going to kill you right here, and that'll take care of all my problems." And Manda Allen sort of steps up and says, "Yeah, well, don't think so, dude." And then, um, <laughs> and then our shadow appears. Our dear shadow. Yeah. So there's like a moment too where uh, like, oh. uh, Sinidra is about is calling everybody out who everybody is. Yes, like right, right before the shadow comes, and yeah. and then she's like about to say the lady, 
but before she can say Polgara, Aunt Pol cuts her off and says, I can speak for myself. So it was interesting. She didn't want them at all to know who she was. Well, and uh, Gary and even sort of tried to gesture to Sinedra, like not to do it without yeah. saying so. But of course. Right. So I'm not sure. I think maybe it's just because Gary knows that they're traveling incognito. Mm-hmm. And they might know, sure, they might know who Sinedra is, but they don't need to know who everyone else is. Yeah, so Aunt Posse takes over and the conversation and, like, I can speak for myself. And that's when they have the talk about, you know, that he goes into explaining why he's there and the whole point of it and has that inter- exchange with um, Sinedra. And then... At the point that um, Mandrallan draws his sword and they all go to attack the Legionnaires and Kador, Asherak steps out from behind a tree and sort of casts a spell. Well, we assume he casts a spell because he mutters some words and gestures with a hand. Garion feels a, feels a dark rush and a strange mm-hmm. roaring in his mind. And Mandrillon sort of goes flying. So he's done a little bit of magic there. And it's Asherak who um, is expected, ha- is travelling with Kador. Kador's relieved to see him. And then a really interesting little thing here happens with um, Hetar. Did you grab that? Yeah, he, it's like he tried, if I interpreted this right, I took it as he tried to get into the horse's mind. Yeah, and then realized it's not a horse at yeah. all. So, what is this? Some kind of demon or something? That this well, you know, I've never really like I've thought about it. Uh, not really gone into the what it could be, but like, you know, what could it be? It could be anything. It could be like uh, something transformed. It could be like a demon. It could. We don't know what is of this world yet. Yeah, something created by dark magic. I know that much. So, yeah. Or, um, uh, yeah, so, so, um, Heta feels a bit sick about being in the mind. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets, so Ashrak gets down and goes over to Aunt Paul and is, you know, quite polite in that we want to kill each other kind of way that people are polite. <laughs> <laughs> and um Kador is surprised that Asherak knows Polgara and Aunt Paul, you know, throws a few truths out there. His name's Chemdar and he's a Grolan priest. And he's, she's addressing Duke Kador and, you know, he's bought, she, he's bought far more than your honour, you know, which you'll find out. Yeah. That's scary. Um, I don't want to be on that end. Like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And so and then she sort of, you know, she gets the full-on Polgara thing going on and the white lock in her hair starts glowing and she straightens <laughs> in her saddle. Oh, I just love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I don't think, has it mentioned before that the white lock in her hair glowed when she was going to use magic? Well, I think it's been implied maybe, maybe once that okay. it seemed to glow maybe or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't remember, but if any of our listeners can throw it out there, like to this point in the story. It would be has, just interesting 
to know when he chooses to say which attributes about their magic and like yes you know is he introducing them in a certain way or is he just kind of having fun without you know like well I mean we've always known that it was significant because of how she placed Garion's hand on it to unlock yeah. his mind from the a dark spell that Ashrak had cast on him and um, to open the window in Garion's mind, like to share the pictures when he was a little boy, <laughs> yeah. which I still so love. I love, love, love that. Right. Uh, and so but, is, she like about, is she about to attack him then? Is that what's happening? Well, or you know, yes. So, you know, she's very polite, as people are when they're about to kill you. You know, gives him a compliment about what a good opponent he's been, and I'll miss you. I'll, I'll almost miss you. You know, so she's yes, getting ready to do something magical. Okay, and he warns her not to do it because he's got his hand around Garion's heart, and I assume this is metaphorical, like yes. magically. Yes, I, yes, he has the power to squeeze his heart and crush it. That's what it feels him. like. <laughs> so. So, yeah, and so because, like, we can sort of, he says, this, the instant you start to gather your will, I'll kill him. Mm-hmm. And so we know from the way the magic has been described that other people with this same ability can feel that building of energy, that will, just before they're going to cast. So he would know yeah. if she was doing it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So she's she's basically she she can't, she doesn't know if it's true or not, but she can't sort of not obey him just in case it is true. Right. And then even um, when he tells everyone else to get down off their horses, she tells them like do as he says because yeah. she doesn't want to risk Garion's life or anything. No, no, exactly. And so. Hmm. Then he starts teasing her about, well, where's Belgarath? Yeah. Which, of course, and of course, as the as we find out, he knows that Belgarath is not there because this is what he's been waiting for. You know, he's been waiting for, he knew that at some point in their journey, Belgarath would find it necessary to go off by himself to pursue the orb. And so yeah. that's what he's been waiting for. And he shows up mm-hmm. now. And so he just has this little teasing, oh, where's Belgarat? You know, and she's like, oh, he's not far. If you start running, you might get away. Bastard. Right. <laughs> and this is where it gets really interesting mm-hmm. for me because. Um, yeah, then he turns uh, to Garion and starts to address him directly. Right. Um, so he, well, he, he's actually still talking to Aunt Paul when he says, He's talking about Gary and he says he doesn't know, does he? And he criticizes her for like not being honest with him. Yeah. So he, Gary looks at him, he looks back at Gary and they sort of probe each other without speaking. And then she, he says this thing to Paul and I've already done my patriarch rant rant for the day. So I won't go into (laughs) another one. He's like, he says, how like a woman you are, Polgara. You've kept a secret from him simply for the sake of the secret itself. Like, mm-hmm. what a fucking hypocrite. Right. <laughs> well, usually the villains are hypocrites, you know. 
This is true. So it's part of being um, villainous. It's like a prerequisite. <laughs> and then he has that weird comment about like she's been his mother, but he's been the father. And Did that they've raised. Well, yeah, I get it. It just felt weird in the moment of like it did. Compare- yeah, just the fact that he would say Polgara is the mother. Obviously, she raised him. And now Chamdar saying he's like his father because he watched over him for whatever reason. I don't still know yet. But you did. You do know that he was like the shadow from yeah. way back. Okay. Okay. Right. But I would have never called him a father to Garion. Well, no, of course, because we're sane. He's not. <laughs> right. So. When he says that, I was just, I was thrown off. Like, that's kind of gross. Like, Exactly. And maybe that's the whole point of putting it in there that way, like to really highlight how creepy and icky he is. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good character development. Polgara and uh, Chandler have a conversation here before we even get into what happens next. Uh-huh. I think just about, you know, <clears throat> I took this as just he's telling her why he was following them but it wasn't really that he was trying to stop them he really just wants Paul Gara and Garion mm-hmm. yeah he so didn't he want to like, stop them at all he's never at any point been trying to stop them he says he's actually been yeah. sort of protecting them a little bit you know to help them get through right and he just wants them to because it would it would boost him up with Lord Torak the moment he his awakening and he has the boy and then his wife, you know, Polgara, his wife, to be waiting right there, kneeling down before him. Uh-huh. So what did you think about that? <laughs> I just I just realized, yeah, he is a sicko. <laughs> Very much a sicko. <laughs> But I, and I'm still confused on why he was, I guess that's why he's protecting Gary and because he wants to bring him to. Yeah, he's got no Torak. intention. I don't think he, he, he's got no intention of killing him. So it, it well, it, it, it seems like an empty threat. But of course, as we said before, he's a crazy dude. So you never know. Yeah. So Paul Gara can't really afford to, um, to chance it. Right. So she asks him to let the others go and he says that they don't concern him. He'll leave them with Kador. Yeah. But what Kador does with them, of course, isn't his responsibility and it's likely yeah. he's going to kill them. Yeah. And so she starts getting very angry, Polgara. About well, yeah. Can you imagine his... Polgara, how right. frustrated she feels, how helpless and just um, all of that, like, I don't know. I just have this lovely, you know, visualization of the amount of damage she could do yeah. <laughs> with the force <laughs> of the will behind her current frustration. <laughs> right. This is, is interesting because uh, it was reminding me of the witcher again with the mage, the mage at the Yennefer. At the yeah, end tell of me, the show. tell me, how are you connecting it? Remember at the end when her teacher, I forgot her teacher's name, tells her like they're in this middle of this battle and they're losing. <gasps> yes. She tells her. She tells her, she's like, unleash that 
what, yes. I forget the word she uses, but all those times you were hurt, all that yep. anger you've been holding on to. She's like, un- unleash it. Let your chaos, that's the word. She's like, let your chaos go. That's it. Oh, no, I just so that. love that. I, I love that um, representation, this, that, 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 that way that they brought chaos magic um, uh-huh. to life in that particular story. It's yeah. great. I love it. So good. Yeah. Um, and Which is not really chaos magic. It's more elemental magic, but it's like into all of that primal power stuff. Oh, I just love that. Yep, yep. Yeah, and I think chaos too because she's doing it out of she's out of control, and I mean, and I think it, she was she was in control, yeah. but well, she also let herself is, lose control enough. Yes, enough to. And the thing is, I think that when we say in control, what we mean is caged and limited. Mm-hmm. Being out of control feels scary because we're not used to it. And we're not used to how powerful we are and feeling even a little bit of that power, that truth, that love, the edges of that, like that oneness Mm -hmm. is terrifying for people. And so they cage it. Well, the first glimpses of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You got And you got to be brave enough to keep going into it. And most people stop. That's it. And if you just give over to it and let and 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 acknowledge that you are already it and it already is you mm-hmm. yeah and there's no separation at all right and it's what's funny is i don't know if you saw this but one of our listeners is in um oh david edding's group on facebook yeah and somebody posted in there about the witcher did you see that i did i did i'm part of that group okay. Oh, okay i didn't join the group yet but no, i saw the you're not allowed oh that's right because there's spoilers no there's two groups there you are not allowed to be part of them yet okay i won't join them thank you okay. for the reminder all right <laughs> so but this one at least didn't spoil me so that's good mm-hmm. and um but he, they were talking about the witcher and how last week we compared the dryads yeah of the witcher to this and now here's another comparison with yennefer from the witcher to Polgara. yep and I think though other that the man that posted in that in that group about this topic to his point of um, noticing these similarities yeah I think because fantasy worlds all have so many similarities like yeah. there's so many parallels to all fantasy stories because it's it's like I don't like the word tropes but no but you know what I word. love about it like the parallel yes but the um the the differences and the way that they imagine those um like the dryad thing and yeah. there's the there's the elf thing and then there's the fairy thing and the witch thing and the like all of the different r- magical things like yeah they're yeah. all parallel but they all are so brilliant by themselves and i, I love i love being able to talk about this stuff with you because Mm-hmm. You know, we get to, to, to uh, anyway, nerd out, nerd out, <laughs> geeks be uh, welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Though it's true. Like they all have their own unique spin on it yeah. because nobody can create the same thing, but no. they are at the wider perspective. They yeah. are very much in alignment with each yeah. other. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and I love that we have another show that has burst onto the scene that we've, 
kind of like bring into our conversation now as you know the witcher i know the witcher, oh my god it's my obsession right now is it so have you finished i have the first season I, yeah i've watched it all i watched it all twice no way okay. i did because the first time i was this is a side sideways sorry but the first time I watched it, I was so confused. I didn't understand the timelines. Yes. No. I thought they were jumping around times. So I'm like, wait, what's happening? But they are. And then they were a little bit. And yeah. so when I got to the end, and it's like episode seven or eight, there's only eight episodes. Yeah. But they start kind of piecing it together for you. They start coming like, okay. in until everything's joined. Right. And then I was like, okay, now I gotta go from the beginning again and yeah. make a sense of this. <laughs> Because it was it's like my OCD. That's my OCD right there. Well, you know so. what I have to do this week? Rewatch The Witcher. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, I love, I just love Yennefer. I oh. see myself in her completely. I just both, completely. I was both shattered and exultant when she transformed. Yes. Like, I was so like, be you, be you, be you. And then how can I say be you and deny her, <laughs> you know, the, the transformation that is part right. of her being her? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway. It is so good. <laughs> okay. Off of the sidetrack. Um, okay. So. So we're at, at Paul and she's just like kind of getting, her anger is getting the best of her. She's building 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 and then chanda slaps her across the face uh-oh don't want to do that with carrying around especially after mr wolf said to look after her <laughs> yeah well you know what i i take back all of my you know you just go for it little dude right and i love here how it's like Garion's brain seemed to explode dimly. He saw Dernick and the others being restrained by the legionnaires, but no soldier seemed to consider him a danger. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and um, then that's when this dry voice starts talking to him in his head. So Garion has, and we've seen Garion snap before, like get that blood boiling kind of, uh, I don't want to say berserk because he doesn't go berserk, but he gets this, Thing comes over him and seems to take control of him yeah and 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 he becomes stupidly brave in those moments mm -hmm. <laughs> he becomes right. a full-blown warrior in his mind yeah and so he starts he reminds me sorry no no go he, remi he reminds me a lot of harry potter in those moments harry, like harry does potter, exactly the same thing yeah, yeah, in the face of something like that, he is the one to just go out yeah. without even thinking and probably do the stupidest thing ever and, and somehow still survive. Garen would totally right. be a a um, Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah, Gryffindor, <laughs> completely. But here it's like he's reaching for the dagger because he wants to kill Chamdar for doing this. Yes. A dry voice comes in and tells him not that way. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So this is when I'm starting like, oh no, it's coming, what's coming? <laughs> and and uh, the I love that the, the dry voice is no longer dispassionate and disinterested. Hmm. It sounds like like it's invested. It it's kind of on Garion's side all of a sudden. It's not this balanced kind of right, you know. 
And it's telling him, remember what Belgrath said, the will and the word. Yes. So that like he's having a conversation with this voice in his head, which is fascinating. Yes. I love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then sort of like Garion doesn't know what to do. And the dry voice says, Well, I'll show you. Yeah. And then this vision rises up in Garion's mind of Torak on fire. Um, right, you know, in on fire from Aldur's orb attacking him. And he sees Torak's face melting and everything is on fire and his and his fingers are aflame. And then all of a sudden it's not Torak's face, but it's Chemda's face in the fire that he sees. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the voice in his mind says, Now do it. Yep. And he's so enraged that just unleashing his will with a word simply will not satisfy the situation. He has it has to have a blow attached. He has to hit, has to strike out. Yeah. It's like first I'm gonna hit you, then I'll burn you. <laughs> <laughs> just because I can, because you're an asshole. So he just he that's what he does. He just leaps at Chamda. So quickly, no, and nobody can stop him, and he smacks him on across the face the same way that he did to uh, Paul. And so this, with his with his right hand, which is the hand that has the birthmark on his palm. So he hits him with yeah. his hand, and says, "Burn." Yep, just like Paul Garrett said, water, and the rain came from the sky. Uh huh. Uh huh. And just for a moment, Chamdar looks sort of jumps back and looks angry. Like I can imagine like this delayed reaction, like nothing's happening. And he's like, oh, this kid just hit me. What the fuck? But then he realizes. Yeah. It's already going on. Like it's not. Anyway, go. You take it away. <laughs> no, it is. We, we see that moment where Garen's literally just burning this being with his hand yes so he just and then yeah it's like a whole like long paragraph description of just chamdar's reaction to this burning that's happening it's like the face melting scene from um ark of the covenant oh i never saw that like indiana jones uh-huh the last like you've never seen indiana jones i've, I've seen those what's the ark of the covenant did i miss well you know the first movie, the first Indiana Jones movie with the Nazis and at the end they've got the Ark of that's the Covenant, a... that's the thing, and they open the big oh. box and all of the faces melt. Oh, okay. I don't remember names of stuff inside the movies. Uh, that was really strange. Oh, it's windy outside. I was like, why are things... I felt like the air moving around me. And I'm like, what's happening? I'm talking about <laughs> the will and the words here. And... There's too much magic talk going on. <laughs> So there's some wind blowing outside. Okay, that makes okay. sense. So, um, so yeah. So Chemda's. Oh, it's interesting. What's it? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting then because suddenly Aunt Pole is in Garion's head, right? Well, be, well, only when, only when Garion starts to get a bit sick and feel sorry for Chemda. Yeah. Um, he sort of lets his will relax and oh no I can't do this I can't do this right 
Right. And she tells him to stand still. But I really like that phrase, by the way, for that situation. Which phrase? Stand still, she tells him. Yeah. Stand still. What do you like about it? Well, I have a whole new understanding of stillness and still like real stillness as when you have complete quiet within. Yeah. And so he's got all thoughts starting to move, 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 like, oh man, I feel bad for this guy. I'll just, and she's like, stand still. And to me, that meant stop thinking and just be. Yeah. And, and so he did. Well, I'm very she, glad, I, glad I asked that question. Yeah. And so she stays in his head after that. Like she's telling him, don't weaken. Yeah. Keep your will on him. And yeah. And then he's, he still though is questioning himself. Like, yeah. should I, should I, I can't do this. I can't kill somebody. Yeah. 15 yeah. year old boy. Yeah. So then she tells him. That he's and it's not just, that, it's not just that he's a 15 year old. Like they've been connected since he can remember. And so there's yeah. all of this uh, dark pull on him, even though it's like creepy and horrible. It's there. Like we've all had those moments. Like, those attachments that we know are not healthy for us, mm-hmm. but we don't let them go. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that would make sense too. that. That's why after having a connection with him for so long. Yeah. Um, oh, but the magical a- realism. Paul. I love you. This is just all <laughs> metaphor for life people. Yes. Um, Aunt Paul, to to get him to really, you know, believe that he needs to do this, she tells him that he's the one that killed his parents. Yep. So that was a big moment for him. And then all and of I a sudden, it, it can't be hot. Could you feel it? Yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden, it just can't. The fire's not hot enough. Right. It says all the rage and fury he carried with him since Wolf had told him of the deaths of his parents flamed in his brain. Yep. So all of that flows out of him and just. Yeah. Until Chemdar is no longer. (laughs) It just incinerates Chemdar. It just is a smoking Mm -hmm. mess of oily blur on the forest floor. Yeah. And um, it's interesting at the end of all that and and in his head, Aunt Paul says, it is done, they are avenged. And then Belgaria, Belgarion, she's saying, my Belgarion. <laughs> so she was as she's saying it, so I was just picturing like Aunt Paul singing. It's kind of funny. Okay, that's the first that what what do you what she's saying? What exactly is she saying there? Well, <laughs> Belgarian, Belgarath. There was explained before the bell being attached to the name they're talking about somebody else i forget who they're talking about zeta ah used to be belzadar belzadar so funny (laughs) and so in my interpretation i'm just assuming that he is a sorcerer like belgrath is okay um so yeah that was like the big moment of that Mm mm-hmm burning and then they come out of it aunt pole 
it was very like a proud motherly moment I felt like when she, when she's telling Kador like I don't think you're ready for this kind of fight yet yeah you know? <laughs> maybe you should just, maybe you should just leave <laughs> I love it I love it I love it and then so everyone's pretty like shaken up and the legionnaires are all backing away and um then Aunt Paul sort of turns the legionnaires um, to their side and says, you know, maybe you need to, um, he, he, she gets them to take Kador, you know, convinces yeah. them that it's probably best to take something to the emperor to appease him. <laughs> right. And so they all turn on him. This reminded me of the moment in The Lion King when the hyenas turn on Scar. Mm-hmm at the end yep and he's just kind of like wait no no don't do that yep i love that that's great because scar <laughs> yuck scar's yucky <laughs> yes he was a good villain yeah he was a good villain uh, cool. yeah so um they do that and then you know they do all the oh to Senedra, oh your highness how can we serve you fuckers yeah so take this man into custody one of the legionnaires says, yes, well, and if you give us any trouble, we'll just take your head. That'll do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they all turn to Sinidra and, you know, just bowing to her and all that stuff. And then mm-hmm. Dernick mm. is is looking at Garion like yep. he doesn't know who he is. Yeah. Which was another very Dernick moment in my mind. It's like, but you've known him his whole life. Yeah. Okay, you did some power, but why are you going to say, who are you? I don't know who you are anymore kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know if he meant it that way. That's how I interpreted it. But well, I think so. I think he's really shaken up and um, because he's afraid. Like, this is interesting. There's another little bit of fear in here. So this, epi- this episode is really we're dealing with fears a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so he, when he is unsure of the world around him, it seems less solid. He becomes afraid and then it comes out, you know, in against the thing that he sees as changing that he was so sure of because he's been with Gary in his whole life. And he's thought of him as one way and it's that way is changing. Right. But Aunt Paul convinces Dernick that it wasn't Garion's doing, that she was controlling Garion. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that she, you know, she tells him it through her mind again, she tells Garion that they don't need to know who you are yet. Yeah, no. And he wants to know why she's calling him Belgarian. Mm-hmm. And, um... Because it's your name. <laughs> exactly. It's your name. Don't bother me with questions now. We'll talk later. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then as soon as um, the, the legionnaires are gone and they're alone, Sinedra just collapses and begins to cry and, and Polgara comforts her. So again, here we have the processing of fear. Mm-hmm. I think I made a note about it, actually. Did I? Oh, I must have made it somewhere else. I thought I'd made it in Wolf's Wisdom, but I must have deleted it somewhere. But um, like, there's lots of layers of fear in here. So here's Sinedra processing fear by letting it flow through her and staying composed. 
But then when the opportunity presents itself, she un lets go and she cries and that's a release of all of that fear. So we've had Mandrell and like Gary at the beginning who turns inward at the fear of his grandfather and silk leaving and being separated from them. So he's got that going on. Yeah. Um, and then Mander Allen, who um, wants to layer things on top of himself so that he, he will be protected. So he wants his armour against the fear. Um, and then we have Polgara, who feels so helpless in the clutches of fear and frustrated and raging inside, but unable to express it because she's afraid for Garion. And then we have Sinedra who processes her, who, who does this with fear. So there's lots of different aspects and ways of, of encountering fear in this yeah. episode. Did you say Dernick too? I didn't. And then, and then there's Dernick who's just like yeah. in denial about the whole thing. Like, yeah, which is a form of fear. Absolutely. He's, af he's afraid of Gary and now he's like, oh crap. Like, yes. How yes. can you do that to somebody in his mind? That's a huge thing to kill another person, I could imagine. Of course oh, he yes. did, yes. but only because his life is threatened. But So yeah, it's probably probably du a dual um, thing going on there for Dernick, the fact that Garion's killed someone and how he did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and yep. Then there's just that short mention of um, Garion processing that his aunt called him Belgarian. Mm -hmm. And the name wrong in his mind as if he'd always known that it was his. Mm -hmm. It says, as if for all his brief years, he had been incomplete until in that instant, the name itself had completed him. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of just acknowledging, but that Belgarian is a being he doesn't even say a human he just is a being who has the will and the word and the touch of his hand could turn flesh into living fire yeah and then he accuses the dry voice of of doing this thing to him and the dry voice is no i'd only showed you how the will and the word was entirely yours and 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 then the truth of that sinks in and yeah. and Garion's just um, overcome with the, you know, remember when Belgarath told him, you know, be careful what you wish for. You might not like it when you get it about mm -hmm. revenge. And all of this just piles on top of him and he just it's really bitter and he just collapses onto the ground and weeps. Yeah. So I think e even in here, there's a little, uh, the, there's another representation of fear with Garion here in his disassociation from Belgarian. So himself as Belgarian, he's not prepared to go there yet because that's the scary place. Yeah. And that's where the power is, which is what mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier. Right, I was just thinking Touching that. the edges of power. Uh-huh. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, such a great chapter. So yeah, it was a long chapter, but a really good conversation, I think yeah definitely so now we get to go into the magic of the chapter hmm. okay so my magic is garion's deliberate use of the will and the word 
under <laughs> guidance from the dry voice. Yes. He knows it's him. He's doing it deliberately. It's full of raw power. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I put the mind connection between Aunt Paul and Gary and mm -hmm. that they are communicating only each other can hear. Yep. I've always loved that stuff. Yep. 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 Cool. I said real life relating. Oh, sorry. I, uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I've been working all day. It's 9 30 at night. Yes, I know. Uh, real life relating. So, uh, and I'm going to go into the, so the layers of armor, like mm -hmm. Mandralin's armoring up against the fear the layers of armor that i have shucked you yeah. know over the last few years um i've passed naked i'm past naked and i'm burying <laughs> my soul now so i'm 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 more than naked you're transparent <laughs> trans transparent oh god you know i just had a flash of um what's that um robbie williams song rock dj the, in the film know. clip i'm going to find the film clip and i'll put it in the extended show notes because <laughs> that's like i've just got that going in my head so that has to go in the in the show notes <laughs> but yeah so it. i'm just that's that's it's so relevant to me all of this talk about fear you know it's something that i help i do a lot of shadow work with people helping people to encounter the scary dark parts of themselves and feel safe enough to be gentle and explore. I do that with most of my work actually. Yep. Um, and it's so, it's so, so powerful and beautiful. Um, and then probably beautiful is not probably a word and kind is not probably a word that is generally connected with the thoughts of our dark self or our shadow self or you know, but it is completely. Yeah, I agree. I use those words for that too. And uh, it's interesting because I put for my, <laughs> you're talking about shadows, I put in my real life relating that um, <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking down the shadows, even when they try to trick me into feeling bad for them. Um, the way I structure that sentence doesn't make sense. What I was trying to say is, no, no, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, like I have, I've taken taken the shadows out, uh -huh. but they were continuing to trick me for a little bit. Yeah, but I've wiped them out, and that that what I talked about in my cup this week was I think the last step. I swear I didn't read that before I said my thing about shadows. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a perfect transition. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, so now we're going to Prophecy Speaks. Let's mm. take some tea. So this week, my question is, so there's a bonus episode of Call of Belgarian Beyond. It's a bonus episode 
called before the show that I put up for patrons. And it's all of the stuff we talk about before the show and after the show, and sometimes some of the really big sidetracks in the in, during the show. So I take all of that when I'm editing and I flick it up into before the show, and that's a bonus episode for patrons. And so I have have some very specific OCD tendencies, and one of them is the order that things need to happen in. And it's one of the reasons I'm exceptionally good at project management and scheduling and planning because, and I can like plan down to the nth degree. I can break it down as tiny little, the, the, <laughs> the most infinitesimal step that you could think of to get a project done. I can plan that shit out like a champion because of this need that I have to have things done in order and so the problem I'm having with getting these before the show episodes created is that I need things to happen in order and because it's a new bone it's a new thing to offer this um, bonus episode and we're up to like episode 45 of Belgarid and beyond we're in season two that's a lot of shows that I need to go back and create and put up on Patreon for our patrons. And where I am in my head at the moment is as I'm editing the new shows, like the last few weeks, as I'm editing, I create that episode before the show at the same time. So it's ready to go up on Patreon, but it's not the right order. I need to go back and create all these other ones dozens of these other episodes and put them up before I can put these ones up but I'm so busy that I don't have the time in my like it's it's really difficult for me to get back to the early episodes and edit those new shows together and so I'm feeling quite anxious (laughs) about this whole thing yeah so anyway that's the that's the frame for this question And my question, well, the statement is, I would like guidance around the rule that I've made about putting up before the show bonus episodes in order. (sighs) Yes. I'm interested what's going to come because I have already an inkling here. Yeah. Well, just, you just stop that. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want that. mm. Okay. Anyway, so the book I'm using, I just grabbed a novel. It's a Jeffrey Archer novel. Uh, it's called Honor <laughs> Among Thieves. And it's upside down. Is that relevant? It's inside, it's a hardcover inside a dust jacket. And I've opened it up and it's upside <laughs> down. Oh shit. That's funny. <laughs> so I'm sorry, that's pulling in my tummy already. The fact that it's upside down and the dust jacket is another way. <laughs> so I'm just gonna okay, go ahead. I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to turn it up and pretend that it's in the dust jacket the correct way up, but I know that it's not. <laughs> this is really hard. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. And, of course, we were still at war with Britain at that time, said the actor. Cavalli admired the way Adams had not only learned his lines, but done his research so thoroughly. 
That is correct, Mr. President, said the, act, the archivist. And when the British fleet appeared in Chesapeake Bay, the Secretary of State, James Monroe, ordered that the document be moved once again. Because as I am sure you know, Mr. President, it is the Secretary of State who is responsible for the safety of the parchment, not the President. Lloyd Adams did know, but wasn't sure if the President would have. So he decided to play safe. Is that right, Mr. Marshall? Then perhaps it should be Warren Christopher who is here today to view the declaration and not me. The Secretary of State was kind enough to visit us soon after he took office, Marshall replied, but he didn't want the document moved again, said the actor. Marshall Cavalli, the Lieutenant and the physician dutifully laughed before the archivist continued. Monroe, having spotted the British advancing on Washington, dispatched the declaration on a journey up the P Potomac to Leesburg, Virginia. August 24th, said Adams, when they raised the White House to the ground. Precisely, said Marshall, you are well informed, sir. To be fair, said the actor, I've been well briefed by my special assistant, Rex Butterworth. Marshall showed his recognition of the name, but Cavalli wondered if the actor was being just a little too clever. That night, continued Marshall, while the White House was ablaze, thanks to Munro's foresight, the declaration was safely stored in Leesburg. <clears throat> so all that's sticking in my mind is that the White House was burned to the ground and, well, obviously was rebuilt. But the document that they're talking about was safe because it was somewhere else. So it wasn't where it was supposed to be and everything burned down around it and it was still okay. To be quite honest, I'm still stuck in the fact that my book is upside down inside the dust cover. <laughs> um, can I say please, 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 because I feel like my whole brain's going to explode <laughs> out my ears. Okay. And so everything you just said right there before the dust cover thing about the fire, the burning, but the document being safely stored away, mm -hmm. even though everything burned down, was exactly the inkling I was having. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I projected that all the way over there, but um, so we have, the episodes that you've already been doing as you go mm -hmm. putting them up and they're up there right? and they're not up there yet but you have them ready to put up there right yeah I've got at least three ready to go so what if don't don't have a heart attack <laughs> but what if you just start from here and move forward and not worry about putting up what we've already done my scalp's crawling <laughs> what if the patrons wouldn't really even go back through all of those necessarily so they'd be like bonus bonuses if I got around to it right and they're always safely stored they're not going anywhere no so if there's a time I, this, if there's I store a, everything I double or triple store everything <laughs> yes 
You guys have those hard drives in there. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get one of those. Um, But, but so they're always there. So there's no pressure to to do them right now. Like if there's ever demands, like people start asking, Hey, do you guys have this stuff for season one? Then at that time, like, Hey, oh yeah, we'll do it. We got it. But right now, why? Why put all that extra work in? Okay, listeners, I'm doing a special call out. Please come in to the group, the private group, patrons, tell me what you want. I'll be guided by you. Be kind. Help me get over this rule that I have because I swear, like, I'm, I'm, I, my hands are literally like frozen onto this book in horror because <laughs> the fucking dust can... cover is the wrong way up. <laughs> it's telling you that it's okay. It's okay. Okay. Oh my so, God. That's so hilarious. <laughs> that's so that perfect, was, isn't it? <laughs> that was your answer right there. Oh my the God. Dust, okay. The dust cover was your answer. Okay. That's great. Okay. That was brilliant. Okay. it's the answer that I I didn't want (laughs) right it's okay but the listeners that we do have yes will still love listening even if that bonus content is not there yes I feel a bit dizzy (laughs) (laughs) maybe I think I've been holding my breath (sighs) sit yeah like sit and do a meditation on it for 20 10 minutes I'm sorry I'm I will do that but I'm just going to fix this dust jacket right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I'm happy. Now I'm happy. That's all good now. Good. <sighs> See, that's a relief now. <laughs> okay, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> just love me. Just love me. We do. That's why we're here. <laughs> Your turn, quick. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going to share an update from last week just because I already talked about it in the Polaris okay. Cup. Cool. But this week, uh, I, with this new like power I'm feeling, I want to know what's one thing I can do to change some someone's life because I'm ready to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm using Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Nice. Let's see what I get. Close my eyes. Okay. I'll start over here. Harry didn't speak at all as they walked down the road. He didn't even notice how much people were gawking at them on the underground. Laden as they were with all their funny shaped packages with the snowy owl asleep in its cage on Harry's lap. Up another escalator out into Paddington Station, Harry only realized where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder. Got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves, he said. Oh, that's not a question. (laughs) It's a statement. Got time to eat before your train leaves, he said. Uh, He bought Harry a hamburger. A hamburger. And they sat down on plastic seats to eat them. Harry kept looking around. Everything looked so strange somehow. You all right, Harry? You're very quiet, said Hagrid. 
Harry wasn't sure he could explain. He just had the best birthday of his life, and yet he chewed his hamburger trying to find the words. Everyone thinks I'm special, he said at last. All those people in, Le in the leaky cauldron, Professor Coral, Mr. Ollivander, but I don't know anything about magic at all. How can they expect great things? I'm famous and I can't even remember what I'm famous for. I don't know what happened when Vol, sorry, I mean the night my parents died. Hagrid leaned across the table behind the wild beard and eyebrows he wore a very kind smile. Don't you worry, Harry, you'll learn fast enough. Everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts. You'll be just fine, just be yourself. I know it's hard, you've been singled out and that's always hard, but you'll have a great time at Hogwarts. I did, I still do, matter of fact. <laughs> okay, what did you get out of that? I love that it, I love that it was Hagrid. Yes. <laughs> I have a hard time reading his um yeah that's a okay. out just, loud just, yeah <clears throat> stumbling but uh so I think it's in this last paragraph that Hagrid is telling him everyone starts at the beginning you'll be just fine just be yourself I know it's hard you've been singled out and that's always hard and so to me that means that for what's one thing I can do to change someone's life, right? Is by, <laughs> and then the fact that they're talking about this famous stuff, not that I would ever claim to be famous because I'm not, but the idea of, of putting yourself out there can feel like fame to somebody who's not used to being out there, mm -hmm. you know? So I take this as maybe to change someone's life, just start um, really showing myself in every way I possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, and that I can help those who are at the beginning where I was at, mm -hmm. whether it's with writing or spiritual journey or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I don't know specifically what that means I can do to change someone's life, but you don't? You just said it. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think it is <clears throat> around the and there's that indecision again. Slap myself in the face. This is setting you this is telling you exactly where to begin. At the beginning again, with at the beginning with people who don't know how to start. Yeah. That's true. That makes sense. And you just have to be yourself. Right. I think that's the biggest um, thing out of this is to buy, to change someone else's life, just start being myself because I can't help anybody if I'm not being just who I really am. Completely you, babe. Completely <laughs> you. Yeah. Everywhere. Right. And that's the thing. I would hold back on social media before because I knew there were moms from the school on there and I didn't want them to see this side. Like if I, I would never tell them to listen to this podcast no. because I would be terrified of their judgment, yeah. but that's something that I'm letting go of now and I'm yeah. stopping. That's not good grammar, but I'm stopping caring. 
about what they think about me. Yep. So. And that's scary, but everyone starts at the start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Sounds good. So that ties into our fear thing very nicely. Yeah. And yes. hell if mine didn't as well. <laughs> shit. I know. I thought you might have like a little breakdown. <laughs> a little aneurysm over a dust jacket on a book. <laughs> <laughs> prediction for the chapter yes uh, how'd you go last, last week, week i said they will make their way to naisa and experience some challenges i think splitting up will be a mistake someone might get hurt Ooh, it was a mistake and someone did get hurt yes <laughs> i'll give but, yeah, okay you get half points yeah it's been a while since i've gotten any so <laughs> you take it <laughs> Next week, I think that we will get to see Naisa. And I, I know this now because I see the preview in the book mm -hmm. that we're moving into Naisa. Mm -hmm. It's part two of the book. Yeah. And that maybe we'll have an unexpected reuniting from a character we've seen before who might like come to aid them when they are in trouble or something. Great. I just thought of a hashtag. Smoldering mess. Hashtag metaphorical on all kinds of levels. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a special announcement this episode. Um, I have to go to the dentist in the morning, first thing in the morning. And mm -hmm. anyone who's been listening to the podcast for a while knows that my last experience with the dentist was fucking horrible. And I was in pain for like a week and a half and it was really bad and dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. And so I have to go back and get the tooth fixed that that monster fixed last time because it didn't last and now I have half a tooth. So yeah. I'm going back to the dentist tomorrow. Different dentist. Same practice, different yes. dentist. So tomorrow is editing and podcast release day. So I don't know what they're going to do, whether it's just a checkup or whether they're actually going to do any work tomorrow, but the episode may be a little bit delayed. <laughs> so I will do my best, my darlings, but if I need to be gentle with myself and take the day to heal, the podcast will come out on Friday and I'll put some notices up in the page if I'm not able to do it tomorrow so that you know what's going on. And you won't hear this until the episode goes to air anyway. So. <laughs> whatever but anyway <laughs> hmm. that's so, okay everyone will will forgive us if it's yeah, on Friday yeah I'm sure they will um so you'll find all the links to everything so we're at the end of the episode as we do at the end of every episode we tell you how to contact us and all of the things that you can do next so you'll find all the extended show notes and links to all the things on our website, bilgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. And so you can sign up to the mailing list while you're over there, having a check it out on all the things. And I put some like weird and interesting stuff in the extended show notes that are, you know, 
you know, if you're a fan, you'll enjoy it. And um, you can leave a voice message for us and again, link in the show notes. Uh, just let us know if you don't want to be included on the show. Um, that would be great. You can email us, belgariadandbeyond at gmail.com. Any comments or questions, you know? And we're on Facebook and Instagram. And you can sort of put comments and questions onto the Facebook page. It's our public page. And we can have, it, you know, an open conversation there with all the people. And, um, you know, we're indie artists, Alicia and I. And the best way that you can support us is to become a patron of the show. And you can find out more about that and what's involved and what the bonuses you can get at patreon.com forward slash Belgariad and beyond. There'll be a link. And this episode of the show is brought to you by Alicia's book, The Wonder Soul. Yeah, that's exciting, right? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah, so I wrote The Wonder Soul. I would say it was like four or five years ago. No, four years ago. And it's interesting the theme ties it really does tie into everything we talked about in this chapter because it, it was the book for me well not the only one but this story that I wrote in the wonder soul which is about a girl who is very trapped in her life that she's living she's at a job she hates she's in a relationship that wasn't healthy for her but finds out that he was cheating on her and so she drops her life and like leaves to go travel and while this is all happening externally though there's some deeper internal journey happening with her where she's starting to experience little things that that she doesn't know what to make of and she's scared it scares the hell out of her so as she continues on this journey she goes to Ireland and stops in San Francisco there's Greece as she she continues deeper and deeper in this external journey of traveling this magical piece that's terrifying her. There's a shadow following her. She doesn't know what to think about it. It whispers to her and it's like, you know, so she she starts to see the shadow then. And then that's where it's like, uh, I'm gonna, she's gonna have a meltdown. So it's about her becoming who she really is and embracing the magic instead of being afraid of it. And once she stops fearing it, realizing there was nothing to be afraid of the entire time. And so that's kind of a summary of what the book is about. And that was the story of my life when I wrote it. So I was in a place where I was blossoming. I had just left a marriage that at the time wasn't healthy for me. And I was sitting alone in my apartment a lot. And this idea came to me. So I started writing. And it was one of those that I wrote the first draft in about a month, which is Mm -hmm. pretty quick for me. Mm -hmm. And it's just a story that I'm extremely proud of, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. like the word proud, but I love it. And I now have a whole like children's series I'm going to write in this world of the wonder soul that I can't wait. I just can't wait. I have to just finish the book I'm writing. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that's perfect. So there you go, everybody. Go and check out Alicia's book, The Wonder Soul. There will be a link in the show notes. Thanks for joining us this week. You can use the hashtag smoldering mess on any of the places that you like to talk to us uh, to talk about this episode specifically or just throw it into the conversation for fun. Yeah. So until next week, my darlings. 
Bye guys. Nice. Yep. I always get, um, I always, when I'm describing my books, like saying what they're about, I always get so worried that I'm going to give the whole story away that I don't say enough. <laughs>